ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and back by popular demand is Jan Yeager. We are going to be talking today about her latest book, Put More Time on Your Side, and I know I need this, so I am assuming you, our listeners, do as well. Jan, welcome back. Oh, thanks. It's been a while, but it's always great to talk to you and your listeners. Well, thanks so much. And listen, why don't you fill our listeners in uh, on on a thumbnail about you? Ooh, a thumbnail. Well, I've been writing since my earliest years, uh, now focusing on the time management research and writing. That goes back to the early 80s, and uh, this is actually my sixth book on time management. I have a Ph.D. in sociology, a master's in criminal justice, and I majored in fine arts in college. <laughs> well, that, that, that's the outlier, and uh, we won't have time today to get into the backstory on that. Um, but I am just so excited to revisit this, and I didn't tell people that the tagline on this book really has to do with managing your time in a digital world. And... I tell you what, this is probably my biggest challenge, and, and largely because I work from home like many people do, so our entire world uh, is generally digital, uh, and, and interacting with people over platforms to share. Uh, but let's get back to the basics, though. Why does time management still matter? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and as you're saying, and one of the wonderful things people are saying about the book is that it's not just about time management, it's about life management. Uh, yesterday I met with my new publisher from um, India, and I thought he was flying from his meeting in Chicago to New York to meet me and then going on to India Instead, he actually flew from Chicago to New York, and he was going back to Chicago because the meeting he was at wasn't going to wrap up till early next week. And he said, people said to him, why, why are you going all the way to New York to meet your author and your publisher? And um, he said, because, you know, everything isn't just emails. You You need to see right. people. You need to talk to them. And to me, it's a great example of, not just time management and life or but also life management that too many of us are feeling remote and dis and you know pulled away from the world because ironically it's become more efficient and easier to communicate in these quicker ways email text messaging but the human factor is sadly going out of it Right, right. Well, you know, I, I really love this topic, and, and in particular this whole thing about managing your time because it, it just is something that we constantly do have to revisit because just because we mastered it six months ago, and I, I was writing a, bro, a blog lately about uh, email, and I was taking a uh, blog I had written about a year and a half ago because I, I really just wanted to refresh it. And at that time, I had declared that I had won the battle 
with my email box. And, <laughs> you know, and that is something that you can only declare at the end of every single day. Right? Well, it's fascinating you say that because by mistake, I deleted all my emails um, thinking I was just doing spam cleaning, and instead oh it was my all my emails. Now, the good news is that there wasn't really that. I don't think there was anything. I know there was nothing I really needed. So in one fell swoop, I was back to square one on one of my two key email accounts. Well, the bottom line is this. That was only a month ago. I am back to 6,000 emails. Oh, I and I know, I know that I they're not that important. But but what's frustrating is that uh, it takes time to go through that to find those nuggets that really count. So managing it on a daily basis. One of the things that I found useful is messaging in either Facebook or LinkedIn has right. become a much faster, easier way for me to really connect one-on-one -on -one and get through all those emails that, you know, probably are more like spam, but you just seem to, you know, it would take hiring five people to, to literally <laughs> go through all of them. So I think what I'm going to exactly. do is just a delete in a few weeks again. Right, right. So you you actually make the bold statement that, Time management can actually give you a competitive edge. Tell me about that. Oh, definitely. Um, in fact, I teach college in addition to my writing and my publishing, and I actually do a every semester I do a program for the students about key skills that are going to help them not only do better in college but in life. And one of the key skills is time management because, you know, just think about how many quality issues are related to time management. If you if you start something the day before it's due, what's the likelihood it's going to be as good as something that you gave yourself a couple of days, a week, two weeks to really? Have you been you looking know, over my shoulder? No, I mean, that is, I found that, is that out. my modus operandi. Well, I found it out the hard way at uh, the University of Buffalo. I actually transferred from there, but I started out there, and as a, as a freshman, I did what sadly too many of us do as freshmen. I pulled an all-nighter, thinking, you know, wow, I'm getting a lot in, but I also left everything to the last minute, and Right. I didn't I didn't remember what I wrote on that test. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and and that's a college version of what's happening in the workplace. You know, people right. are they're they're writing emails that they're not rereading before they hit the send button. And th this is in a business setting. They're wow. sending things with typos, with spelling errors. They're sending something to everyone that should have gone to one person. And part of it is the time issue, that they didn't leave enough time to do that review, and they're just sabotaging themselves and even putting their company at risk. Right, right. Well, you know, you, you also talk about the whole issue of time management being something that can contribute to your self-confidence. And, and that we really are the only 
person that we have any control over so that this self-management is an important step on the path to self-confidence. And I know when my daughter left for college, uh, you know, you sent her a number of books to help her with that self-confidence. And if I didn't thank you then, I'm thanking you now for that. She's now completed her first year of her uh, five-year master's in psychology. And, wow. Uh, that's you know, I, I am uh, wanting to share with her this this whole topic of sure. uh, this conversation that we're having right now because, uh, and and uh, again, I will eventually stop and let you speak, but I, I do want to interject one other thing is uh, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about the attention to detail uh, of the early generations, right, or the new generations that are coming into the workforce. And and they don't have it because electronic communication often doesn't demand it, right, uh, because it's just everything's for the moment and, and nothing has, you know, that, that long-term lasting uh, impact. But but let's talk about self-confidence and self-management uh, for a minute, and then, then I want to shift gears and talk about the things that waste our time. Sure. Well, self-confidence comes from getting that prioritizing about what is important to my to my job, what is important not just to my job but also to me. And these can actually be dual priorities. Uh, you can have a day job that you need to do, but you may have other goals that you're working on at night on the weekends that mm-hmm. are going to be your next step. And that's the power and the self-confidence that comes with time management, that you're not just floating through life and uh, letting things happen. Uh, now, of course, that doesn't mean you don't allow happenstance, but but you're really setting goals, short-term goals, long-term goals, planning. And that really empowers people in a very positive way. Right, right. So, you know, as we take a look at those things that do waste our time, and we've already touched on on email. You talk about there being 22 of them. For me, email is about 20 out of the 22. (laughs) But but, uh, go ahead and give us a glimpse into some of the top. I know we can't talk uh, about all 22. Well, procrastination is still one of the biggies. And, uh, you know, just just go to New York the day before uh, April 15th. Uh, no, on April 15th, right. they actually have donuts and coffee at the post office uh, because it's become a ritual that there are going to be so many people putting things off to the last minute. And sometimes putting things off to the last minute can actually, and that's part of the empowering part of put more time on your side, my new book, you know, you you have to take each situation as it comes. In other words, uh, as someone I, I was talking to about, um, I love to use being in the world since I, like you, do work at, from home a lot of the time. And I, I love to talk to people and find out, you know, what's going on in your world. And he said he was going on a, a cruise and he said, and this was an interesting time management related tip. He said, you know, everyone books a year in advance. Well, my wife and I heard through the grapevine, if you book closer to the event, you're going to get amazing discounts. So the interesting thing is that that's the difference between planned 
delays and procrastination where right, you're just right. letting your emotions take over you and you know instead of working on that report you make a call to someone you know or you text message and guess what they're annoyed because your procrastination is now stopping them from doing what they want to do so so procrastination another one is perfectionism i love to tell people that i want my brain surgeon or my proofreader to be perfectionists but in a lot of other and unfortunately at this point I don't have a brain surgeon but I'm just using that as a generic concept so you know but that doesn't mean that you don't strive for excellence excellence that you can achieve and that goes back to what we were talking about about the typos and the spelling errors the difference is you want to make sure you don't have typos and spelling errors in your reports or your emails, but you don't have to rewrite that email 27 times because you're afraid of sending it because of what might happen. So you use the perfectionism to delay, and that causes time-related issues. And uh, I got wonderful feedback from someone who was reading the book that, you know, she loved the 22 ways, you know, that we, mm-hmm. we waste time. She she could just <laughs> see herself in so many of them. And, right. you know, uh, we all can. But what's empowering is that you can make changes that become permanent and really improve the quality of your life. And I know because I was raised by two workaholics. Mm-hmm. And it really negatively impacted on my self-esteem, my self-confidence. You know, why don't my parents want to spend time with me? Well, it wasn't because they didn't want to spend time with me. They they were workaholics. They didn't understand that it is harder to stop once you start. Right. But if you learn to stop and let people and other things into your life, it's so much, it's such a better life. Right. So that and, that's why ironically time mm-hmm. the those people who are workaholics often are poor time managers. <laughs> Again, I'm pretty sure you've been peeking into my oh. <laughs> No, I I I have always uh been a workaholic, but l- largely because I've spent so much of my my work life as an entrepreneur and, you know, kind of the nature of early stage entrepreneurialism is you you don't have other people to delegate to. Right. And, uh, you know, it's funny. My husband came home yesterday in a particularly frustrated mood about his his job, and he's going to be 67. And so, you know, it really is time for him to be able to retire. Now, he doesn't want to retire, but there are days when, when that sounds appealing. And so he he goes back and forth between you know saying he wants to retire, which means I need to ramp up my efforts, right, and and get to mm-hmm. the place where I'm contributing at least as much as what he's contributing right now, and and then you know like ten minutes later I will take a call like at six ten, and he'll say you you need to be able to cut off at a certain time of the day. It's like okay, well which do you want <laughs> retirement or you want me to cut off at six? Because those right. are two different things. And so I want to jump to the next. Um, you know, the next item, and I'm telling you, we could 
probably and maybe we should have a call a, about the time wasters because I, I well, and I'm going to say this and then I do want to jump on to the next one uh, to make sure that we're making good use of our time. But you break the time wasters into things that are emotional and, and you know, things that just kind of get in the way. And um, the, the one I was just talking about of, of you know, often office relationships and expectations, which is the next chapter of your book, is that other people have things that they have to get done, right? They've got expectations. And whether you're in an office environment or you're like me, I'm managing a bunch of different things remotely and in different time zones, right, where I may want to quit at six, but I've got somebody in Denver who's counting on getting a document from me so that they can work on it into their evening and in the morning I can turn it back around for them quickly, right? And so this whole issue of working with people around the globe, and you know, not just from Tampa to Denver, but you know, I've got people in the UK and uh, et cetera. So how do we manage our time when we've got other people placing demands on us that are maybe even unspoken? Right. Well, I I think uh, a big part of it is is really doing. Um, you know, I talk in the book about the pie technique, and um, a lot of people find that useful. The P for prioritize, the I for initiate, and the E for evaluate. So, if you're really clear about what has to be, you know, going back to Alan Lakin's classic book from the 70s, you know. What is the best use of my time right now? Uh, before our call, I was rereading the book, and I love this amazing anecdote I shared, and I'm going to share it now with your listeners. I did a workshop for people in various levels of sales jobs, and I asked them to write on a piece of paper how, what was the one most important task that they were supposed to do in any given day and that they were judged by and they wrote it down and then I said and now confidentially write down the percentage of your day that you spend on that task and I said you know your boss isn't here this is not going beyond our room and one woman courageously shared her percentage now I thought she was going to say you know 20 percent 50 percent what Chicky, what percentage of her day was she spending on that priority task that right. was going to be the way she was judged? <laughs> I'm sure take it was anywhere near what it should be. Yeah, take, take a guess. Give me a number. Well, I'm going to guess as it probably looks like in my world on most days, and that's uh, under 10% because you spend your time on the urgent. And okay, well, even even more challenging, she shared with us she spent zero, oh, wow. zero time. Now, uh, someone hired me. He was at a much higher level, and he hired me because he was in the similar situation, and he and I did a couple of coaching sessions together, and I really helped him to isolate not only what might be the consequences is he didn't start focusing on his way of, you know, identifying himself which was to bring in new business but also the emotional and that's another part of the book the emotional pulls and and what turned out is that his mother 
was sadly dying of cancer. And he was unaware that he wasn't allowing himself to be successful because he was being torn emotionally on this, you know, family drama. Right. So that that's another really important part of this. You know, what what are your priorities? Why are you letting other people stop you from getting right. to those priorities and why are you stopping yourself? Right. Well, and and, and, and what can change that behavior? And I know for me um, sometimes it's just out of sight is out of mind. And in my old office, when we used to own an office building, I had uh, this wonderful glass block wall in my office that separated my office and the conference room, and it you know, allowed light to go through to the conference room. But the real benefit for me was I could use that for my sticky notes, and I could organize them and, and put them on the wall. And when I saw it in that way, it never was far from my consciousness of what I needed to do. Whereas I find out now I'm not doing that because I'm working at home and, and more often than why, not I'm why working. Don't, but why don't, you, why don't you put a wall in your home office? Create that well, same situation I, well, for yourself. And again, this may not be pertinent to our, our users or, or our listeners, or maybe it is. I We moved into a new house last year, and we live on this gorgeous lake. And so I sit... Uh, almost every single day, not in our home office, which is in an interior room, right, that while it does have a window is is darker and it faces our neighbor, um, I choose to sit here facing the lake. And so if I'm going to put up sticky notes, I've got this wonderful sliding glass door that I can put it on, but then I have to move it at the end of every day. So that's not very... very, But but you could could definitely buy something at uh, one of the office supply stores where... You know, you have a uh, an old. Well, I'm thinking in a classroom, you can have a freestanding uh, display area. Oh, yeah. that no, you I do, and, I, and, I've, and got, I've got a whiteboard that I can move in and out. But right. and, and I will solve that problem. But but my point really isn't so much my situation, but that you got to make your office space work, right? And that, that's right. really your no, next but, chapter. But uh, but I that, think. Mm-hmm. No, but I was going to say, sorry to interrupt, the Mm -hmm. reason your situation is such a great example is because one of the things Mm -hmm. I mentioned and put more time on your side is think back to what worked Yes. and and recreate it. So you had this situation that used to work for you and, you know, do it again even with that lake. Maybe you have to force yourself just like it's, you know, homework, but you got to force yourself to go into that interior room and just maybe have an hour or two a day where you're in that interior room, but your focus is so intense for two reasons. Number one, you're not distracted by the beautiful lake. And number two, (laughs) you hate being in there so much. You just want to get done what you have to get done to get out of there and into that nicer environment. Right, right. No, that, that's really a, a great suggestion. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you call the PIE technique, prioritize, initiate, and evaluate. How does that help you have better time management? Well, I have several PIEs that I show. I show a sample where each hour in the day is divided up by tasks. But then I also have examples where you have the week, 
And I'm using the pie technique myself in the next two weeks because I am in the situation this fall of teaching five different college courses. And the only way I can handle it is I decided to do my pie that the preparation for each day will only be one course. Because human nature is to try to do, you know, we're taught to break things up into little pieces. So, you know, do a little bit on each task. Well, no, that'll make me nuts. One, for me, one day, one course, done, put it aside. Day two, do that, put it aside. And everyone, and then I also even have a pie that's the whole month. You know, are there days like in certain jobs where you have to do your um, performance reviews or you have to do your billing or whatever? You know, that needs to go in the pie. So that's the exciting thing about the pie is, you know, do it whatever works for you. Do it by the hour. Do it by the day. Do it even by the month. Um and that can help you to feel more control. Because what I see from my research and my um, consulting and the feedback from people who are reading my books is that they just feel like their time is out of their control. And that's that's the part that really, you know, whether it's children pulling on them or spouses asking them to do something or you know, the right. boss making demands, even though they want to get what they feel will really help them achieve in the job. So so the pie technique is, you know, taking control. I'm going to have more say on how I spend each and every hour and every right. day. And, you know, as you're talking, I, I know that what you're saying works. I mean, I really, really do. But because I'm the 40,000-foot visionary. I mean, that that is who I was born to be, right? And so I'm so much better at looking out over the horizon, seeing what's coming, anticipate what's going to make, uh, you know, that next day a better day. Um, you know, it, it sometimes makes my head hurt to think about things down at the, you know, 500-foot level, right? Right. Which, which is where that level of detail is. So is there a balance in being or becoming a visionary um, when you have been focused on that level of detail and maybe have mastered the pie technique, right? And you're really good at prioritizing, initiating, and evaluating, and you picked up this book because you needed that level you know, of, of detail in your life. So is there hope for that person um, you know, who actually has a pretty good handle on things of getting to the place where they see beyond the the detail and the minutia to the bigger picture. Ah, well, it's interesting you said that because um, I I talk about Steve Jobs in the chapter on becoming a visionary, and I think that it goes back to the self confidence that the visionaries need to give themselves permission to be visionaries. So I agree with you, it's got to be a balance. Uh, the details can actually be something that pulls you down and keeps you at that lower level. You do have to think bigger and, and you do have to give yourself permission. Now, one of the tricks is to 
consider delegating some of that detail work to others. And a lot of entrepreneurs, as you may know, this is an important next step for them. Because if they don't delegate, whether it's a for-credit intern or even an hourly part-time worker or even a full-time assistant, they get bogged down in the details and the visionary work isn't happening. And even if they had the vision to start the company, they're not allowing themselves to go to the next level. So, you know, it's 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 a self-talk. Uh, I think Connecting, we talked about relationships, not only in the office, but connecting with others who are in a similar field. There are some formal groups that do this, but even informally, either creating a mastermind group or just having a couple of people that you could brainstorm with, that you trust, uh, that can really help someone. So, so I, I totally agree with you that you don't want to be bogged down in the details and you don't want to be so only focused on the visions that the company is falling apart, you know, underneath you. Right, right. You know, we are we're coming uh, close to the 30-minute mark on our show today, uh, but I would like to end with talking about the three time management lessons that your father taught you. Ah, uh, Yes. Well, it's interesting because, you know, some people teach us in the positive by what they do do, and sometimes they teach you by what they did and how you realize it's something that you don't want to replicate. So one of the positives was we didn't go on a lot of vacations as kids, but uh Literally, we went on, I think, three, when I was three years old, when I was 10, and it was a semi-vacation my senior year of high school. My sister, uh, I skipped, so we went through school together. So we drove to um, Chicago to look at a couple of colleges she was considering. But I so enjoyed those moments and those family times that... When I was fortunate enough to start my family, I knew that I was going to go out of my way to make those times happen, Uh, and not just three times. In fact, I would make sure that, you know, we, we weren't able to, for both professional and financial reasons, go on uh, exciting, wonderful vacations every year, but we tried to do it every other year. And this year, when my son, my younger son and grandson came to visit from Florida where they live, um, the best thing for us was what's become known as a staycation. And, you know, but every day we, we had something else that we did um, whether it was a museum or a movie or visiting family, uh, we could have just hung around the house. But what I learned from those three trips with my dad, and that was one of the things he taught me, was that um, it's during those quality times together that you know you you talk about things and you share and you create memories. Um, the second was that you do have to take time 
for those that you love. You you just can't assume that because you're in the same house or apartment that they know you love them. And uh, it was the wild things. Uh, my dad, he passed away at 80 from a brain tumor, but um, when I was in... Uh, uh, in my early 20s, I had a radio show for a year, and the radio show was out of Long Island, and you couldn't hear it till a certain point in Long Island, and my dad le- lived in Queens. So he drove his car to the point where you could start hearing the show and sat in the parking lot <laughs> mm-hmm. so he could listen to the radio show. And, you know, those are the kind of memories, the making time for people that we care about. You know, he, he didn't just say, oh, I'm so proud of you, you have a radio show. Sorry, I can't hear it, you know. Right, right. And then uh, the third was, um, if you fulfill your own dreams, you will be more energized and joyful. You will lack regrets, if onlys, and you will be a role model for others. Well, lesson number three was bittersweet for me because... Um, My dad retired from dentistry at 65 and passed away at 80. And um, a couple of years after he passed away, my mother found a journal that he kept. And in the journal, he shared that his dream was to become a writer during his retirement. And it was just so sad that he passed away without Mm. having fulfilled that dream or even having shared with his own daughter who was a writer and could have helped him. So uh, in rewriting my book, because this is the second edition, I suddenly realized that I hadn't done anything with my art because, as you know, I went from art to criminal justice to sociology and I do art, I do sociology and criminal justice. Anyway, I inspired myself to have my first solo show in 40 years, and that happened in May, and um, no, in March, and everyone who's listening, one of the attendees at the show told me about Sachi Art, Mm -hmm. so even though the show is over, I did sell uh, over uh, six to eight pieces, uh, but you can go to sachiart.com and put in Dr. Jan Yeager and you will see 25 of my original artworks that are oh, wow. available in all different medium. And that was definitely an outgrowth of my own book telling me what did you once do that you've let slip in your life that you really would like to do again. And it was oh, it was I very powerful. That. So I, I love that, Jan. And what a, what a great note to end on. Um, you know, uh, every time we talk, I, I think about you know ten other things we could be talking about. So so hopefully we'll have a chance to circle back and and at least catch up personally because I've certainly had lots of things going on in my life uh, since we last talked. And I finally did write my book, and and it's going to be in bookstores in January. And it's on. Oh, Apple how wonderful! Now, so, Can't yeah, wait to so read that, it. That's great. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's called the Game Changer, uh, so uh, it you can you can go out and grab it. But uh, I, I'd like to end the show today by you sharing uh, how folks can can best reach you. And I know there are many different ways, but you've got a lot of resources available to people. Um, so how can they best find you? Oh, sure. Well, they can email me jyeager at aol dot com. 
they can go to my LinkedIn page, linkedin.com slash IN slash Dr. Jan Yeager and ask to connect to me. Uh, my website's being redesigned, but it will be up and running soon, drjanyeager.com. And if they're interested in Put More Time on Your Side or any of my other books, they can go to amazon.com or any of the uh, online or even brick-and-mortar stores where books are sold and, and find uh, books. Great. Well, Jan, thank you so much for sharing your Friday with us. And uh, for our listeners, next week we've got another Back by Popular Demand. It's Dana Steele, and uh, she has been with us a couple of times. We're going to have a very unique show, uh, so if you know of anyone who uh, has been in support of a family member or a friend with Alzheimer's, uh, Dana is going to share her poignant story uh, in, from her new book called Surviving Alzheimer's. And uh, I, I certainly never met her mother but lived through it with her on Facebook. And her book really talks about how important her Facebook community was to her uh, in, in uh, writing that book and in surviving uh, the death of her mother. So anyway, love having you listening to us uh, from one game changer to another, please join us again. And if you'd like more information, go to thegamechanger.network. Uh, again, my new book, The Game Changer, is out uh, in Kindle. And so you can get to it on Amazon. And thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald.